Rocket, my good man, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, Roscoe. How about yourself? Mate, I'm great. Welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast for another week and another episode of Roscoe and Rocket. People people still loving the Roscoe and Rocket, getting some nice feedback uh, about us, mate, which we always appreciate, and thank you for those that have reached out. Big episode tonight, Rocket. Big episode and big week in golf, and uh, a big week in golf for Australia. Yes, absolutely. So, um, I really almost don't even know where to start. I think we just started with um, young Gabriella Ruffles, or as a few of us who know the know her affectionately, just Gabby Ruffles, winning the U.S. Women's Amateur. And you know, I watched I watched the final, so it wasn't broadcast live, unfortunately. But I watched the final, and you know, she was it was an up and down event. And uh, went right to the right to the end, 36 holes, and uh, she really came up clutch in the end, birding four of her last five holes, I think it was, to to still win one up. And it was, you know, it's tremendous to see someone um, in the heat of the moment, you know, being able to deliver on on the big stage. You know, it was just phenomenal, and you know the, you know an ambassador for Australian golf and women's Australian golf again. You know, I think it's been a stellar year. You know, we've got Hannah, Hannah Green with um, uh, the women's PGA and, you know, now we've got Gabby, you know, we've got Minji Lee. So, you know, there's this, there's this pool of talent coming along, bubbling to the surface in Australian women's golf. Um, you know, so you know, someone like Kari Webb, she should be quite proud of. You know, the you know we've talked about Kari before, but the legacy that she's starting to leave behind is um, it's quite uh, quite amazing. That's for sure. Mate, I couldn't think at the moment a better a better crop of uh, young ambassadors for Australian golf than the girls that we're we're currently been talking about for you know today and 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 previously and, and Gabby Ruffles. When you think about how prestigious it is to win the U.S. Amateur. Yeah, and we always seem to be talking about the guys and and, and the Aussie guys and that, but you know, to win a U.S. Amateur guy or girl, it is absolutely f- a phenomenal achievement. And you know, for up-and-coming lady golfers in Australia, women golfers in Australia, Gabby Ruffles is deserves to be you know the 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 poster person of the moment because it was a a wonderful win, and by all accounts, um, just a wonderful young lady, um, just doing her thing. Came to golf, you know, let's say relatively late in the piece. You know, was was the number one ranked Australian junior tennis player for her age at the time of fourteen years of age, and yeah. then and then decided to to change to golf. I think there were some parts about tennis that weren't really resonating with her in terms of the competitive space and she decided to play golf. Um, 
thought about it for a bit and then said, yep, let's, let's do this. And I think by all accounts that I've uh, been able to follow up is that she took the golf very successfully, very quickly and just went from strength to strength. And a lot of people, you know, probably haven't heard of her directly. They're probably more, much more familiar with her brother. It was obviously Ryan Ruffles, who's, you know, another great up and coming young Australian golf pro loaded with talent. And it's probably ironic that it's his sister that's going to beat him to Augusta. What an achievement. Yeah. Well, I know there are, um, so there's a real, there was a really good interview that, um, Jared Waitley did on SCN when he interviewed Gabby Ruffles and asked her about, you know, how she came about and she talked about tennis and she didn't like the sport in terms of how it was, um, and just the atmosphere that surrounds that, that sport and its competitive nature. Um, so she just goes, oh, I don't want to be part of this and, 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 and gave it up and, you know, talked about how she came to golf. Um, and, you know, it's, so anyone just goes to, the, you know, the, you know, can find that, um, it's like a nine or 10 minute interview. It's just really good, really good. Um, but there's a few people and, um, that I know of that it was probably about two to three years ago. So she was only a couple of years into, uh, her playing golf. And I think she, I think within two years, she'd, I think she'd made the, the, uh, Victorian women's team, so it was almost like a bit Greg Norman esque, you know, in in such a short period of time, going from you know picking up a club for the first time to you know we'll call it becoming a scratch player. And there are a few people who are even saying, you know, she's going to be the better of the the two ruffles. Um, and you know, so far, so far, you know, she hasn't been playing as long as Ryan, but she's, you know, she's certainly showing her her uh, older brother up. And um, the fact that she's only been playing golf for five years has not been lost on anyone. So there's a couple of the, you know, the podcasts um, that, that I listen to regularly. So um, No Laying Up and Shotgun Start, and they talk about it and they go, and it's quite funny to hear them when they talk about her and they go, She's only been playing golf for five years, and there's this pause, and then they start laughing because they think that's just—it's like amazing. I, I don't think they can quite get over that this person's only been playing for five years and is now, you know, the the U.S. Women's Amateur Champion and did it in absolute style. So it, it just goes to show that anyone can achieve anything if they put their their mind and an effort to it, and. And at the same time, um, I'm not surprised because of tennis background. Um, I actually think people that play tennis do make for good golfers because there's certain things that happen in a golf swing that are mimicked in a tennis action and there's certain things around strength in their forearms and through their core and through their wrists they can do with a golf ball that put them in very, very good stead for being able to swing it, swing at that little white dimpled ball. 
Well, you're quite possibly correct there in terms of those transferable skills from learning those at a very young age and bringing that across to golf. But I would equally say that, you know, the environment that she was raised in with her mother, Anna Maria, and her father, Ray Ruffles, um, both being, you know, champion tennis players in their own right. Imagine, imagine growing up in and around an environment like that where, you know, you're just exposed to so many elements of, you know, performance at a high level in your formative years. That has to have played a, a big part in, in helping her be the focused and, and competitive individual that I believe that it's obvious she, she is, but, you know, I believe that she's hyper-competitive and, yeah. you know, has held her in such good stead at uh, USC. Now, Rocket, special news. Breaking. We might not have. We might not be able to get Gabby Ruffles on the line here at the My Love of Golf podcast, but our good friend, very good friend of the podcast, good friend of us, and fellow uh, member at the club, Jamie Glazier, is part of Gabby Ruffles' team, and I had the chance to catch up with Jamie today. Now, as you know, but maybe the listeners don't know, Jamie is you know one of the games, one of Australia's. Um, performance coaches, high-performance coaches, um, focusing on the mental aspect of the game, which, as we all know as golfers, is such a big part of what we do. And he has worked with uh, a number of elite athletes, not only in golf, but primarily focusing golf um, through his work. He's been on Gabby and Ryan's team for the last few years. So there's no one that I know any better to comment on some of the aspects of um, Gabby's life and what she's faced in the journey to get to winning the USAM. So I had the chat today to catch up with Jamie. So what we're going to do is take a little break. I'll play the interview, sit back, relax, listen to Jamie Glazier. You can follow Jamie. Now, Jamie's also um, going to come onto the podcast at some stage and, and we'll get the full Jamie Glazier story, which is an amazing one in its own right. Oh, giddy up. But uh, have a listen to this. All right, Jamie Glazier. Welcome to the My Love Golf Podcast. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Thank you for having me. I've been a fan of the podcast uh, ever since it uh, kicked off, so good to be on it. Well, you've been there or thereabouts alongside me for pretty much the entire journey, and uh, I really appreciate you um, listening in, and I appreciate your time today. So, we've just come off the phone to Rocket and mentioned, and we talked about the Gabby Ruffles win at the USAM, and what a fantastic win. And... A lot of the viewers may or may not know that you have been involved with Gabby Ruffles for a good number of years now. Yeah. And I thought while we're here together, it might be just be a great opportunity to sit down and get your perspective on some of the things that Gabby might have been through in the win and, yeah. and also in the lead up. Because I don't think there's anyone else that I could get hold of that has a better insight than yourself. So I guess I met Gabby briefly you know and I wouldn't even call it met meeting but you know Ray her father and herself were in um, one of the stores I was working at the time buying Anna Maria her mother a Mother's Day present also a golfer yeah but more widely known as a tennis professional yeah and it was about five six years ago and I think I mentioned to Gabby because um, I picked up Ray Ruffles I, th- I think I, I spied Ray's name on a credit card oh yeah. Ray Ruffles yeah fantastic I had a bit of a chat about Ryan yeah Gabby do you play golf no, 
and sort of in a very dismissive way. Yeah. And to see her win, you know, the biggest amateur event in golf yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So, you know, that was five years ago. What happened? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an extremely interesting story, um, you know, with a very interesting and intriguing family. Um, you know, obviously Ray and Anna Marie being great, great tennis professionals, uh, top in the world. Um, Gabby was a, a, obviously a great tennis player, ranked number one as a junior, um, and then just woke up one day and went, I've fallen out of love for tennis. Um, and she, as a 14-year-old girl, uh, had the courage to, once that realisation kicked in, she had the courage to just pull the club, pull the, the, the rackets away and, and never play again. Um, and then there was a little bit of a period there, I think, where she obviously, she's very competitive, so wanted to try something. Golf was the next thing the family were into, uh, obviously with Ryan playing uh, so well at that stage. So she just gave golf a bit of a go. And then, as you say, less than five years later, she's won the biggest amateur event on the planet. So It was an amazing win, and the coverage was hard to f uh, find. But the stuff that we've seen, it looks like she just absolutely rolled the dots off the ball in the putting green, yeah. hit some amazing shots. It was phenomenal to see. Yeah. I don't know how much more you saw, but um, in winning, what would, have, what would be some of the things that she might have been going through? What are the, maybe some of the things that you've worked on that she might have been putting in place yeah. while she was playing, trying to win the world's biggest amateur tournament? Yeah, look, I think she she won the big North-South Amateur a few weeks before, yep. which is a, a, a really prestigious amateur event over there in the US. She came uh, runner-up in that last year, which was by far her best result as an amateur. Um, it's a stroke play event into match play, so it's very similar to the US amateur. Gabby's match play is... She's a fantastic match play player, uh, obviously with her tennis background, the one-on-one. Um, so... Yeah, to see her win match play uh, events is, is no surprise. Um, I think the win at the North-South Amateur gave her a lot of confidence. Um, but this being her very first US Amateur, she has never played one before. Um, I think there no doubt would have been moments, um, especially later on in the, uh, you know, in the finals, the semi-finals and the final, where... The thought of you know winning this event is maybe not a shock or a surprise, but something that maybe she hadn't had an experience with, a history with doing really, really well at really big events on a consistent basis. Um, but saying that Gabby's belief is in herself is fantastic. You know she has worked her tail off to get to where she is, and she's got a lot of confidence and has always had a lot of confidence in herself that. It's just a matter of time before I get to where I want to get to because she's so new in the game. She's still learning certain shots, yeah. you know, learning how to play certain shots. And um, each time I catch up with her, her development from a, a technical or, or an ability to play shots is just phenomenal from, uh, you know, from each time I catch up with her. So, you know, one of the things that we sort of just touch on is um, is to... I suppose, invite things, invite thoughts to come in, mm -hmm. um, allow them to come in, they're, they're fine. You know, the thought of winning an event, is, is it, it's fine. 
um, not to avoid some of the things that a lot of golfers avoid, um, and just to believe in yourself and commit to, um, you know, commit to your process. A lot of her, you know, self-worth, I suppose you could say, is more about how she goes about approaching shots and hitting shots or approaching tournaments as opposed to the specific outcome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, staying, you know, staying calm and confident. If she can do that, stay calm and confident and have fun and enjoy the tournament, she's succeeded. Mm. No matter where she finishes, yeah. um, in her mind, she's done a great job and she's on that, that growth path, that journey to getting better. Um, and, you know, that's she, you know, listening to her post-round interviews all week, that's, that was just the nature of her language patterns was, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and let whatever happens happen. Um, so... so Let's go back to that moment. I think we mentioned just off air that you know she woke up and said tennis is probably not my thing. Yep. Slept on it for a little bit, yep. and then decided that she'd give golf a go. Yeah, yeah. At fourteen. Yeah, yeah. With very little other than being you know in a golfing sort of family, but a tennis family, but a, yep. but with a golfing sort of bent. Yeah. What what happened after after that? Like, how do you go from fourteen to nineteen to be? one of the best in the world you know did she well she we're very lucky here with our coaching system yes we have i would almost say the best coaching system in the world mm -hmm. um our coaches are so highly respected uh, and regarded around the world and she started um obviously playing uh december 10 2014 was the first time she played 18 holes um at a country club called Rolling Hills in California and uh, uh, borrowed raised clubs, went out and played. Um, and, and I think that day she really fell in love with what playing golf meant. It wasn't on the range hitting golf balls, it was actually on a golf course playing golf. So when, uh, when she came back here to Australia, um, uh, she, I suppose, got the, hired the services of, of Andrew Pitt um, out at Yarra Bend. And, Pity, as, as anyone knows, Pity's a great, great coach. So the way that he was able to work with Gabby and, and work with her unique abilities and qualities as a, being a natural athlete and a gifted athlete, um, he, he did a marvellous job. So that was, I suppose, the first few years. Um, I started working with her three years ago. Um, so I had done a little bit of work with Ryan um, at that point. Um, so, yeah, the, the family, you know, gave me a call and, and asked if I would do some work with Gab and, and obviously it was a, uh, a pleasure and it has been a pleasure ever since. But the last couple of years, she's 18 months in the US college system mm. at USC, um, which her mum went to USC and was, um, was a champion there. Gabby's always wanted to go to USC and uh, I think playing out that part of the journey, going to a college where her mum was, you know, a really big name mm. collegiate star. The family originally from California, um, that's where they lived a lot. Um, that was a very comfortable environment, inspiring environment for, for Gab and, and the last 18 months that environment has really helped her flourish. She's had some great coaches over there as well. The system and the competitive nature of the system has been fantastic. Got six players in the team currently, all ranked in the top 80 in the world, and only five players get to play 
each college event. So they have a playoff before every every tournament. Um, so it's a very competitive environment, and it's really helped Gab take take her game and herself to that next level the last eighteen months. So yeah, it's a whirlwind. And I, I'm guessing that you know she's really got faced with some having some questions now after being crowned the amateur champion in the USGA um, yep. amateur event. Yeah. What's next? You know, yep. stay because she's what two years into college. Yeah, eighteen, 18, 18 months, months. Yeah, eighteen months into college. Of a potentially a how long a how long four, stay? Four, four years. years four yeah. years. Yeah. So, you know, you or I can't answer that here on our, but uh, yeah. I'm sure she's got some questions and I'm sure you'll you'll be able to find that out given time. But uh, um, what what sort of credit do you put on growing up in that environment of, I guess, champions? Yeah. As a, from a, obviously, baby right yeah. through. What, yeah. what is that? Oh, look, I, I'm a big one for, for young athletes. Um... A big one on the impact their parents and their parenting have on them. Yes. A lot of people might think coming from a background of, of Ray and Anna Maria, great athletes, pressure, expectation they may place, but they are two of the most wonderful parents to elite sporting uh, kids, mm. both very different. Ray is super laid back and just... just doesn't say a whole lot but boy when he says something it has clout mm. you know and that's the way he he coached the Davis Cup tennis team years ago you know he's a, a man of few words but every word he, he says has so much impact and Anna Maria is just such a, a kind supportive um, gentle motivating soul um, so yeah there I mean you, you put that mix that with these, you know, as a six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old, she's spending time with some of the best athletes in the world and listening in on conversations of the best athletes in the world. So, their athletic IQ uh, as a ten-year-old is so far developed. Um, so, I put so much emphasis on the ability to grow up in that environment. It's phenomenal. Look, we could probably chat for. Phrases on 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 Gabby and and we could talk about Ryan. We'll save that for another day. But um, it's obvious there's going to be big things ahead for for Gabby Ruffles. And you know we've Rocket and I we've been watching a lot of uh, of the ladies tour events. We talk about it um, sporadically. We love watching the ladies tour. I can't yeah. wait to see her on there. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty confident that she'll do good things for. Uh, I guess, does she represent both both countries? Does she uh, no. no, she's Aussie. She is uh, Australian yeah. through and through, yeah. um, even though she has a strong American accent. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, Gabby's one of those people that will succeed in whatever she chooses yeah. to do. Mm. Um, she's shown it with tennis and then with golf. And, look, we... We don't know. Yeah. You know she's got two, two and a bit more years of college... I have a sense or a feeling she she will stick that out because she loves college so much. Yep. Um, look, she may, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. You just you just don't know. But um, she will. Yeah, she's just got that that makeup that is uh, is someone that will succeed in whatever they put their mind to. So, well, mate, I appreciate your time coming on, giving us uh, a bit of an insight that probably not many other people will get into the world of the current USGA. 
ladies amateur champion. Is that, is that the right? That's it. Yeah. Yep. So appreciate your time. Appreciate your support. Love teeing it up alongside you. It's good fun. And, uh, and we'll do it again. Thanks, mate. No worries. Thank you. Appreciate it. Mate, how lucky is that to get Jamie on the phone? Uh, well, not on the phone, on the interview um, with that insight. It was just an amazing win for the young lady. She rolled the dots off it. Yeah, let's talk about the, 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 the highlights again. Oh, not the highlights, but not again, but let's talk about the highlights. She rolled the dots off it. Every highlight that I saw, she was just rolling in eight-footer after eight-footer. What do you think about that? Um, I'll say that her, her, her putting, I was watching a lot of it. So when it came to, you know, and this is what something you, it's transferable. It's a lot easier to probably do with match play than what it is in stroke play. But, you know, those short ones, she was, she was very deliberate and she was, she was very committed with what she was doing, um, and, you know, she'd missed a few, but, but, you know, everyone misses a few, but, you know, she was, she, her last nine holes, she dug deep and she was just braining them from everywhere. Um, but on top of that, just Tita Green, like it, she's got a, she's got a very good, she's got a very good and complete game. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. So she's, you know, going to, you know, finish out, her college career, she's going to get her degree, and you know, you know, level-headed and reassess, yep. you know, what she what she wants to do in terms of whether or not she's turned pro. Um, so, well, as as Jamie discussed in in that interview, you know, he's pretty confident that she will. He wouldn't speak. He obviously, didn't speak on her behalf, but um, that she'll probably finish out that degree. But what a great environment to be. You know, playing competitive golf in in that USC team where there's the the five girls that travel every week, and there's you know yep. eleven girls or something in the team, and they have a playoff series to get in the team to see who travels. So, I think what did he say that um, the team, you know, most of them in the top eighty AMs in the world. It's just what a high performance environment to be playing in and honing your golf craft for another couple of years. At, at uh, college, you know, to come out of that at 21, 22, and then jump straight into the the big leagues, you know. Well, yeah, well, this well, is well. always this. Yeah, well, this is always the. You know, this is going to be the, always the conjecture. And every every player that comes out and turns professional, they're all different, right? So there's plenty that you know. So the 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 opposite is you had um, Ryan, who was um, highly touted. I, I think he. What to do? I think he won the. Oh, it's one of the Ripsdale Cups. He won it like in his fifteen or something. Oh, and then it was a Vic Amateur. He was, he was just, he was highly elite from a very very young age. So he got to a point where he was being heavily scouted by the colleges over in the US, um, Arizona State being one of them. And there's a obviously interesting story where he broke a bit of. Um, Fade with uh, with Phil Mickelson on a match, um, but you know they were trying to heavily recruit him, and a few other the top colleges were trying to recruit him as well. But he chose the path of turning professional and you know grinding his way out on tour, and that's that's one way for some players to you know learn their craft and learn faster and and make their way. And there's plenty of others that probably need another year or two under the belt in a more a safer environment, learning a whole raft of different things in terms of 
travel and things like that, or um, the the game may not be quite ready yet to, to to you know come out on tour. So you know you look at the likes that have come out. You know you got Colin Marikawa. He he's done his full four years, and then on the flip side you have got Matt Wolf who's done two. Right? So you know every everyone's different, yeah. and some probably need to need to go to college. Um, others might need to go and do different tours, you know, because sometimes, you know, I, I think of Aaron Badley and I think the biggest mistake he made was trying to play his way onto the US tour rather than take what he could have done and gone to Europe and cut his teeth and probably his career might have panned out a lot differently because I think he probably, he'd lost three or four years trying to get onto the US tour. So there's, it's the choices people make, yeah. you know. Now, mate, let's keep uh, rolling on. Well done to Gabby Ruffles. It's a great story. It's a great one that uh, will follow her career as it progresses, no doubt. So what's next, mate? The big other big news. Your mate. What is going on with your mate, BDC? <laughs> Where do you start? Like, wow, we. The fraudulent physicist. Is that who you're talking to? Talking about? Well... It's hard for me to uh, to go to your side with this because I was actually right on Bryson at the start of the year. You know, like he was winning. He looked to be up and about. Thought that he could, you know, really, you know, position himself as the, you know, for want of another term, the poster boy. I've used that once already this pod- podcast, but it looked like he was at the turning point of his career where he's going to break into the top 10 and really be one of the guns. But he's just tripping over himself at every turn at the moment. And, wow, like it's just social media is lit up. The world of golf has just been tipped on its head with his antics of – they're inexplainable. But you've covered this more than me. What do you reckon? Well – as as Ron Burgundy said, that escalated quickly. Um, <laughs> it's like everyone yeah, was. So, it's like everyone was waiting to pile on him, and like as soon as the, the fuse was, <laughs> it was like stacks on, jump on. Well, the video of him stalking that putt and his green reading book, and the patience of Justin Thomas. For two and a half minutes, and there were there were a few videos where they showed Bryson basically burning a lot of time, and you know, we'll call it in Australian terms piss farting about. Um, that going onto social media lit up like a Christmas tree, and every and the the, the telltale, it wasn't just you know we'll call it the the rest of us. You know, generic people out in in social media land. Although I, I had to go and um, log on for the first time in a long time just to see some of these videos, so <laughs> I broke my hiatus. Um, but it was all the other tour players that started to pile on, ones that weren't might not have been playing uh, in that event, or even some of the responses were playing with the event. So there was one person that responded, you know, with um, can't believe Justin Thomas's patience in waiting and standing there while he was, you know, 
postulating over this whole thing. And, um, you know, Justin Thomas replied with, you know, it was like really hard. And it just, the whole world lit up because everyone's been talking about slow play all year. You know, JB Holmes, you know, Justin Rose, all the others, we've been talking about it. But Bryson has inserted himself into this conversation because he's tried to justify why he does certain things by saying, well, I run faster between shots, so it's not my fault. Um, or, you know, if the caddies didn't take so long, he said this once before, and he doubled down on it again this week. So it lit up. Brooks, you know, my man Brooks, you think back about 12 months ago, you know, everyone would think this guy doesn't speak. He's been so outspoken this year. He's been a content machine. He's been a content machine. He was quite vocal before the event and he's quite vocal afterward and referred to Bryson. But the thing is, though, he's still talking about the whole field in general in terms of players that play really, really slow. And and Bryson took offence. And, and so much so, and this is where... He really should have, I don't know, maybe tried to hide inside that gold helmet that he uses to train with his brainwaves or cover himself in sticky notes that he might have got for free from 3M when he was up there at the uh, 3M Classic. But he went and confronted Brooksy's caddy, Ricky Ellis. Not a man I'd really want to get sort of um, up and close and personal with if I was going to be aggressive and said, tell your boss, if he's going to say anything about me, say it to my face. So that was on the practice range. Ricky's conveyed the uh, message. You, you, don't, and Brooks, you don't pick a fight with Brooks, a Northern Irishman, Jeepers. <laughs> and Brooks hasn't even like thought about it. Basically went, all right, and walked over and confronted the scientist and had a rather robust conversation about... Um, slow play and what he meant. Um, Brooks really didn't you know, elaborate too much and left it sort of on the on the field. He said he said that um, he's not singling out one person. He's talking about everyone that does this. Now Bryson made up some other things and then what made it worse again on top of that is that then he's done an interview and he starts throwing other players under the bus, like Jason Day. Everyone knows that Jason takes all day. Um, and he admits to playing slow and likes playing slow. But he's thrown him and Stevie Williams under the bus and he's playing partners and anyone else he's probably played with. And he's trying to say, well, these are slow. Why don't you go back and refer to these ones? He was, he was being defensive and trying to defend his his actions, and then on top of that, then he started blaming the caddies. He reckons it's the caddies' fault. And and this is where it gets, it gets even better, and this is probably where I'm going to have to stop because I think I'm just giggling so much inside I'm going to explode. He said, because it's the caddies' fault, maybe we should be allowed to have carts and maybe that will help solve the problem. Carts. What is this, the champion's tour? Carts. He's carts. <laughs> He's a cunt. I tell you what, this event was so boring. If this didn't happen, we wouldn't be talking about this event. We're talking about it because Bryson is a flog. The fraudulent 
floggish physicist. It's fantastic. I, I hope he doesn't change. I've come to the I've come to the realization that we're not going to have fun, and I'm not going to have fun on this podcast if he changes his ways. <laughs> I want him to continue doing this because he just brings me endless joy, well, endless joy. Well, here, here's a message from me to Bryson. If you're listening, Bryson, please. Don't change because I we can't afford to uh, lose Rocket from from the podcast. I need his help to keep producing great content week in week out. I can't afford to lose the big guy. So Bryson, you keep behaving like a flog, and uh, and we'll keep talking about you and uh, bumping up your stocks one way, shape, or form, mate. Because seriously, I've never I've never heard as much drivel in a player interview than the interview that I heard. Now, I believe that there's, there's a number I of interviews. Reckon, it, sorry to interrupt, but here's the other thing. And someone tweeted this, and it's quite funny. And they said, <laughs> he takes longer to get his point across in his interview than he does over his shot. Yeah. <laughs> he just, other, other than his, you know, behaviour on the course, he just made the, card, yeah. the cardinal locker room sin of... You know, throwing, oh. throwing not only another player under the bus, but in our eyes, another Aussie, throwing an Aussie under the bus. You know, like and, and the caddies, he blamed the caddies. Like you don't go after the caddies if there's a if there's a click that if any player crosses one caddy, they cross them all. Oh, jeepers! They band, they bandy together like no one else. Like like he is he is crossing into some very very dangerous turf, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few uh, other caddies saying to Bryson's caddy, maybe you should have a chat to your boss. The next time he wants to talk about caddies, it won't be Bryson he needs to deal with; it'll be us. <laughs> now, <laughs> so we all agree he's been well spoken about that he was behaving oh, like great. behaving like a flog, and is is it was really embarrassing to watch that and and um, da- um bloody uh oh jeepers who was the other player that was uh Tommy Fleetwood Tommy Fleetwood and oh, um, poor Justin. Tommy oh they did they, he had to, you know, Tommy had to get a haircut <laughs> at, at, on about the 10th hole because his his, his mullet had got so long just from waiting for Bryson to hit shots it was like it was getting in the way of his swing like, you know, he had to get a haircut on about 10, I think it was. You, you, you don't want to cross an Aussie and you don't want to cross a Northern Englishman, mate. That's he's, he's, You don't want to upset Tommy Fleetwood. As wiry, as wiry as he is, you know, you just don't want to cross a Northern Englishman because you just don't come back from that strongly. Or, yep. or a Scotsman. Don't cross a Scotsman either because they'll just they'll come and get you. Hey, um, what else happened in the Northern Trust? So, unlikely winner. We didn't... Uh, we didn't go anywhere near Patrick Reid in the in the numbers, but uh, another one of your personal favourites uh, got through in the end. Yeah, oh, do you know what? Maybe you know. Again, he's another content creator. You know, so you know, having Patrick back up there being relevant again. You know, so that means that you know he might get a bit vocal again, talk about how he's the in the top five player in the world, and mm. Justine might talk about. You know how Jordan slighted him, or something like that. I, I don't know, but you know it's good to see the man back. He's had he's had a bit of a, a downward turn for the last sort of you know twelve months. 
know, with all the implosions that were happening between him and Jordan off the field and the Ryder Cup, which he didn't cover himself in uh, in uh, much glory um, whatsoever. Um, I was disappointed to see my pick, DJ, who was there about at the halfway mark, and he 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 just disappeared, absolutely disappeared. Couldn't believe it. I was I was shattered. Did he? Was, did he? Uh, where did he finish in the end? Did he MC? Oh no! No, he, no, he didn't miss the card. He was he was um, tied for the lead up the halfway mark. Yeah, and I think he was he um, had an ordinary third round, um, and he was still thereabouts. But then just oh, he just just blow up, just completely blow up. Oh, yeah. I think he finished sort of yeah. middle of the pack. Yeah, uh, two twenty four. Oh, there we go. Two twenty four, just above Aussie Matt Jones. So, uh, but you were right there on the the Adam Scott front. You had him as the highest performer, and uh, he looked okay. Yeah, he was solid. I, I still, I I reckon he could be. You know, I think he's going to dig deep. Oh, I don't know. It, I, I can see Adam pulling out some good form at Medina. It's a nice course. It's nice and long. Um, I don't think the greens will be too fast, so it might be just right up his alley, actually. Yeah. So I so, can hopefully see yeah, him continuing on with good form. Uh, the young second-place guy, Answer, I like him. I like that uh, won the Australian Open last year. He's probably played himself into a President's Cup. We'll see him down here again. I like Harold Varner, yeah. another another guy that's come to Australia a couple of times, Harold Varner the third, my good Just man. A Just a toiler. He, he's, a, he's a big boy. You wouldn't want to cross him in the locker room if you were Bryson DeChambeau either. Um, another mm-hmm. big, an, another very hefty uh, man of significant heft, uh, Johnny Rahm. So all guys you'd expect. My boy Rory T six so solid. Yeah, nearly looked okay. The, ma- the mattress king tied six as well. <laughs> Louis, <laughs> Louis. <laughs> <laughs> You like that one, don't you? The mattress. Um, if you are a new listener to the podcast, the mattress uh, rocket has just a great knack for coining phrases for things, including tournaments and players of obscurity. And if you're looking to why he might be calling Louis Oosthuizen the mattress king, it's because when he flies to a tournament, he chooses to take his own mattress. Mm-hmm. Um, just to clarify that, if you didn't already listen, those of you that are listening every week will know that. Um, um, yeah. Jordan Spieth. Oh, I can't claim that one, but you know what would be really interesting with Louis Oosthuizen? What's that? He's sponsored by UPS. Imagine if he went on a really hot run and won the FedEx Cup and he's holding it up with the UPS logo on his shirt. <laughs> 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 That'd be well, cool. Crazier things, crazier, uh, things have happened, but uh, you know, has it got a likelihood of happening? Probably not, but it uh, could. It could. But uh, oh, it'd be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, Jordan, um, your boy Jordan, your boy, your other boy Jordan. Well, you wrote him. You were writing him off a week ago. You had written him off. He was well, gone. Well, I'm. I'm still. He just ekes out. He's. A, he must be finding something because I still think he's hitting it all over the place. Um, and he was. He was. Better this week than he has been recently, um, but you think about this: he's he's not even eligible. He's not even in the top fifteen for the President's Cup. Yeah, 
As we he just... would have to be a ca- he would ha- he's, he would have to play play his butt off to be considered for a captain's pick. Yep. That's when you think about two years. You know, two years ago, we'd be he would have been first, second, third picked. You, you you wouldn't even say he's not. If someone said in two years he's not going to make the president's cup, people would just go. Here's a thousand bucks. Unbackable. I bet that's not yeah. going to happen. Unbackable. Exactly. Yeah. Um, who else is notable? Uh, well, the interesting one was there's a lot of a lot of players, a lot of players that are on the they're on the cusp of. It just there's a few things I learned today about the tour championship or the net the net um, the net club championship. That is, is that. The players that make the Tour Championship, so the last event of, of the season, if they make that 30, they get exemptions into all the majors. So there's a lot of players that are in this 70 mark that, um, or we'll call it the ones that might be in the cusp, right, that could be in that for 50, between 50 and 30 you know, now that haven't won on Tour in the last 12 months. Um, so they would have to either be in the top, you know, fifty in the world to get an to get an invite or be exempt into some of the you know all the four majors, or you know win on the PGA Tour to at least get into some of the majors. Um, so the carrot off finishing just in just making that thirty is quite significant for a, a lot of players that are on that cusp. Um, in the FedEx Cup, you know, so far I went and looked at the official list. So let's pick out a couple. So we've got someone like who hasn't won one for a while. You know, let's let's pick out, you know, Rory Sabatini. You know, he's Shia. Um, he's number seventy-five in the world, but he hasn't won. So if he finishes in the 30, he gets an invite into all the majors. And he hasn't played the U.S. Masters in six years, which is quite quite amazing. And then you've got, you know, someone else like, oh, you pick out another one. So even, here we go. There we go. Scott Piercy. Man who probably nearly quit golf like three years ago. Now he didn't, hasn't won, but he's at thirty-five in, in the in the points race. So you know he's going to be motivated to try and make his way into be able to play all the majors. So there's plenty of players in there that are trying to you know make their way into that spot. Oh, another young one. So young guy who's been cutting up an absolute tear on the tour this year in his rookie year. Sung Sung Im. He's at number 26. Season one, he's had something like eight or nine top ten finishes. Um, but he just needs to hold into that, that that top 30 to get starts in all the majors. So it's not so much just a money thing. It's also then a access to other tournaments that y- you would probably either not get access to or you'd have to qualify in other ways. Um so it's really important for some of these players to just play really well this week in the BMW to make that top 40, or top 30, sorry. So it's going to be interesting to watch, um, you know, who's going to be around abouts on that leaderboard um, come the weekend. 
So um, any significance that won't be there, that missed from last uh, weekend? Um, Tiger's playing, which I don't know why. Oh, I think he should just just pack up, just call it a year. Um, Unlike, it's, know, it's looking less likely that we are going to see him play at the President's Cup, for sure. Really? Well, he's 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 not even he he's not even qualified. Yeah. You know, his form for the remainder of the year was postmasters. It's just not the same. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyone else that's not going to you know, that's going to miss this now next stage of the BMW? Uh, I reckon Mickelson. Oh, he's at forty six. I don't think he'll make it. Jason Day's been playing horrible. I don't think he'll make it. Bit of stuff there um, with Jason Day. Now you were talking up the boot camp. No more, no, no more boot camp. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he could handle handle Stevie's boot camp because um, Jason Day and Stevie Williams have parted parted ways eight weeks into um, the partnership. Um, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if 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 it was Stevie going. Not you're either not listening to me, or I don't think you're hard enough. Yeah. Can, I, I would, I would, I would be more inclined to say Stevie said this is not going to work. I'm leaving, rather, and he's allowed Jason Day to be the we've parted ways amicably to save face, rather than go. I left him because I think he's as soft as rice custard. Imagine if it was Stevie that Bryson went up to on the putting green and tell your boss. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you know what? Just that thought. <laughs> like, it, the, the message wouldn't be relayed. No, exactly. Stevie, Stevie would, would, would have just gone, I'll give you the message. You want to, you want to talk uh, to the boss? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, talk to the boss. Oh, dear. Oh, my God. Hey, um, I, I want to give you some feedback. And uh, Chris, um, on Instagram, at golfguy77, loved the Tournet Championship. <laughs> it's, uh, it's great to yeah. see that we've uh, got a friend in the uh, stateside with a very decent sense of humour. So, uh, yeah. Chris, thank you very much. Had a, I've had a couple of great chats with uh, Chris, actually, who is an absolute avid golf lover, um, has been down here and comes down here a number of times a year and has played all of our big courses and... Um, so we'll probably uh, we'll probably get to see him down here uh, later on in the year. But um, yeah, Chris, awesome. golf guy, Chris, awesome. golf guy, seven seventy seven, and had some good uh, good thoughts on uh, how the uh, FedEx might uh, might improve, which we might detail later on. Um, maybe save that for the next episode. But yeah, thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate your uh, feedback. Okay, mate. What else? What else comes out of that? Or do we just get on to the, um, get on to some KFC? Oh, I think we'd better go. You know, stick our hands in a nice big bucket of KFC, I think. Okay. Once again, another what's what's with Rockets tournament names. <laughs> well, this is a tour name. KFC, let's say Corn Ferry. Thanks very much to Corn Ferry for sponsoring uh, this the uh, that part of the uh, tour. So, it's a big stage there, and it looks like our guy, Brett Coletta. Oh, he missed a cut. He missed the cut. If he, if he, he just had to make the. I think he, he just had to make the cut and finish 
middle somewhere and he would have or probably should have secured his card. But as soon as he missed the card, it was it was all over Red Rover. Um, so the yeah, so the we'll call it the end of the the KFC tour was in Portland. Oh, I can't remember where it was. Yeah, it was Portland. And yeah, you know, so essentially, yeah, we'll call it the top twelve to fifteen had secured enough points to guarantee their cards the next year. So on the elevation to the PGA Tour, and depending on where you finish, also dictates the you know the where you rank in terms of what events you get to pick. So you know, um, the young fellow from from China, Zhizhu uh, Zhang, oh, I've probably pronounced it incorrectly, um, him finishing first means he gets a start in, I think it's into the players. Um, he gets um, like a full unconditional sort of status across the tour for at least the first half of the year before they start to do the shuffle. There's all these little machinations that the tour do, which is weird. And then as they go down this, um, down through the ranks, you know, they get certain conditional ones. Um, you know, there was a young fellow, Harry Higgs. I listened to a podcast with him with the No Laying Up guys. He was phenomenal to listen to. Um, he was just telling his story about him finally, you know, making it onto the PGA Tour and his journey for the last, you know, four or five years <clears throat> out on all of the supplemental tours and talking about, Jordan and Bryson and stuff like that. So I'd suggest anyone listening to that one. And there's a couple of other um, good stories in there. Um, I'm going down through. We've talked about Zach Blair the other week. Uh, Reen Gibson, you know, Australian, you know, Australian guy. He um, he um, got his tour card back. So he's been one that's been toiling away there for a while. So he finished uh, about tenth. So he locked his card up. Um, We've got a few other ones here. Oh, is it Scott Harrington? I think this is the one. Scott Harrington. I heard a bit of the story about Scott Harrington. So he finished 19th overall, but um, he's been trying to make it onto the PGA Tour for 16 years. And in the past four years, he's had to take time off the tour because his wife um, has had two battles with um, Hodgkin's lymphoma, I think it was, and one just more recently. And I think a heap of the um, the tour guys put in a, a GoFundMe page to help um, have enough money for him to be able to pay bills and cover some medical costs. Steph Curry from Gold State Warriors chipped in twenty five grand, and so there's there's actual scenes, and um, got to give. Um, Golf Channel um, big ups for how they did this, especially you know um, what's his name Cameron Perks and um, Craig, another guy Craig who Perks, yeah. oh, Craig Perks, sorry. Um, they just let it unfold. You know, I watched I watched the uh, Portland because oh, that's where all the action was really happening, and they were telling all these stories about where people were and what they're doing, and just seeing him on the final green, the, the guy's parents were there. Um, his wife was there, I think his brother was there, and they're all just crying because he's been trying for 16 years, he's been through everything to make it on the PGA Tour. So it's, you know, you, 
it's a life-changing moment for someone like that that's been toiling away and they've got the opportunity to um, compete for the for some big bucks, you know, so it's really great to see those those things with life-changing moments. Um, who else is there? Oh, Mav, Mav McNeely, good to see him back on tour. I love Mav, he's such a good player, such a good kid too. Uh, and uh, another, on uh, Timmy Wilkinson from New Zealand made it back on. And then... Um, Choice. Um, and then there's a hard luck story. I've got to find the dude's name. It was... Oh, where is he? I've got to find it. It was... Um, where's he finished? Oh, here we go. I can't find him. Oh, there we go. Vince India. What a great name. He had a chance to... So... He was tied for second coming up 18. He was sitting outside of the top 75, which means if he finishes in the top 70, I think it is, or top 75 on the on the web.com or the Corn Ferry, that means he secures his spot on the Corn Ferry next year and he doesn't have to go to a qualifying school and stuff. And he's been going back and forth to the qualifying school. So he's last holes a par five. He just... Rips one up, up the middle. He All he needs to do is hit one up on the green somewhere, chip and putt, make birdie, or at worst, make par to finish tied for second, or at worst, tied for fourth, or fourth, and finish inside, inside the top 70 and have his card for the corn fruit tour next year. He doesn't have to go to a qualifying school. Hits it in the trap. Blades it over the green, flubs his chip, chips it up, couple stabs, double bogey, finishes 85th, back to the first stage of qualifying. All in the last hole. All in the last hole. If, go- if golf yeah. was an easy game, Rocket, we'd all be doing it. This is why the glaze is in business. The mental, the, it's the demons. And the mental, uh, the mental torture that a player goes through in the heat of a moment, that it's uh, it's the rooster or the feather duster. You're either a rooster or you're a feather duster. And that's 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 what it really comes down to. And you know, seeing the last hour and a half of this tournament was it was really gripping and actually captivating. Seeing all these players that have probably been battling away on this tour for probably four or five years and mini tours and stuff like that. And their livelihood, a life-changing moment is on the line and seeing the ones that can grab it and the ones that it, it, it doesn't go their way or it falls apart. It's, it's, it's reality TV at its best in terms of seeing it, what, what it can do to people's lives. Um, but yes, it is, Still, it's the mental game. There's plenty of people that can really golf the ball, but what really matters is the six inches between your ears. Yep. Absolutely, um, mate. So I didn't see any of the corn fairy. I, I went to watch a bit and uh, it was late and I may have uh, I may have uh, succumbed to my tiredness at the time, Rocket, but... Uh, just bringing the Scadian rhythms back oh, into line. Well, mate, I tell you, I'm not kidding you, mate. I'm still jet lagged from the European Lynx Golf Swing. 
of, of those 4 a.m. finishes. I'm, it's caught up with me like bloody jet lag. Anyway, I'm just as I said, I'm I'm just trying to keep the the time clock on uh, Scottish time already. Which uh, oh, <clears throat> some good stuff happening over there. Um, um, little game of golf teed up at North Berwick. Anyway, just uh, just teed that te- just teed that up, up yesterday. Up yeah, so um, go on. So yeah, there's. And so what we've got with the, the Corn Ferry for the next four weeks, no, three events, is there's uh, players that missed it on the PGA Tour that didn't earn enough points to retain their card. They can play in the um, in the series, and there's another 25 cards up for grabs that will just, you know, sort of determine their eligibility for next year. So you've got... Um, well, I found this puzzling that Victor Hovland didn't earn enough to secure his PGA Tour card. I thought he did. Um, but so he's playing in the event series. So it's um, who else? And I think maybe a couple of the Aussies are. I'm trying to find. So I know um, Cam Davis and oh, someone else has missed out as well. I think Curtis Luck um, can play. Um, in this as well to try and retain their card for um, for next year. So it will be interesting to see the next few weeks because there's still more players with um, um, with the PGA Tour, you know, career on, on the line. So yeah, just another couple more weeks of really interesting stuff to go with. Um, and the net, the net uh, club championship as well. <laughs> yeah, well, let's. Uh, I look forward to your updates on that in uh, maybe next week or the week <laughs> after. Uh, I watched a little bit of the ladies Scottish um, Open. At uh, it was back at the Renaissance Club, so they played both la- uh, the men's Scottish Open and then the ladies uh, women's Scottish Open at the Renaissance Club in uh, East Lothian. It didn't really grab me like the British Women's Open. All the uh, just a bit of bad weather, which is not surprising up there in Scotland. But they played the last day in the in the rain, and um, yeah, it was okay. The, a young lady by the name of uh, what was her name, MJ MJ Her, a Korean lady, um, won that and beat uh, Maria Jutanagan. Slayed him in the end. She had minus five in the range, so she actually played pretty well on that last day. The bit that I watched, she was actually on fire and bouncing yeah. around in the wet. Um, it was pretty uncomfortable for a lot of them, but uh, Jong Yoon Lee, six, finished third. Um, who was the other lady? Uh, Lee Min Hyung uh, finished fourth, and uh, Ari Jutanagan finished fifth. Looking forward to seeing that course. I'm going to have a little look of it in a couple of weeks. We'll see how, how it is. Maybe try and get a game. It's pretty exclusive. But, um, yeah, I, I, it was okay. I, I didn't. I just didn't enjoy the the part where, as a viewer, we were watching a, a tournament on the same course as we watched the previous two weeks. I get why they do that because of the infrastructure and all of that and totally fine, but just – just from pure viewing spectacle, yeah, you know, I was looking to see a different links course, and uh, but anyway, it was um, that's who won that. What else? What else happened, uh, Rocket? That we need to cover off? Um, I don't think much else really sort of happened. Um, the one that's on at the moment, um, US Amateur, 
Yeah. Which is actually which is actually on Fox. So I think they should have completed. I haven't checked to see who qualified. Um, but I think tomorrow morning is the first round of the 64. So it's true playoff series. Um, there's no handicap, so it's not ma- match play handicap. So it's actually head to head. You know, mm-hmm. there's no one starting at ten under yeah, or right. ten up. Okay. Um, so it's a true a true playoff series. Um, but it's being played at Pinehurst and Pinehurst number two and four. And the reports are that both of them are playing quite tough. So number four was um, restored um, by Gil Hans after it had been ruined by Reese Jones. Um, and so I think 80% of it was returned to you know, a lot of the Pioneers number four that was originally designed by Donald Ross. Um, and there's some elements of some other changes and um the things that he added in that were probably more traditional Donald Ross things with, with the greens and stuff. But and what's going to be interesting is that I think the final, um, and it might be the semi-final and the final. So I think they they used to play the semi-final. Semi-final used to be 36 holes. I think they might have cut it down to 18. I'm not 100% sure. But I know the final is being played over both courses, which is quite unique. So traditionally, they would have the two courses for their qualifying, and then they would space, you would station yourself on one course and play that for the you know. So it's top. Hold on, hold on, mate. One sec, one sec, mate. One sec. Sorry, mate. Just say that part again. Um, yeah. So the. The final is actually going to be played over Pinus number two and yeah. Pinus number four. So I would assume the morning round is probably going to be over number four and the afternoon could be over number two and whatever's left of that. Um, but I've got it up ready to be recorded. Looking forward to seeing some of this and seeing, um, you know, some of the top amateurs in the world. Um, do, you, do you know how many... So, so the... Sorry, um. So the stroke play part of it's already been run and won. So they issue a medal for the stroke play part. So uh, yep, Bra- Brandon Brandon Wu has won that. So I don't think they've dis- discovered uh, decided on the match play bracket set, or they've issued that. But oh, know, they they just do the traditional one to six, one, you know, to, one to six, one to sixty four, one to sixty four. So in that we've got Blake Windred. So he finished T twelve in the um, the stroke play, and we've got. Oops. Looks like it's not completely finished yet. Uh, okay. It looks like they're saying that some second round is not finished. Oh, maybe it is. Uh, well, I read something. I read something somewhere that said that uh, Mr. Wu had been issued the medal. But anyway, but we've in uh, we've got uh, Carl Phillips up there. So if yeah. you if you followed Carl Phillips' story since he was, you know, just out of nappies, uh, this is how long he's been playing golf. You know, he's. He's he's a genuine you know superstar potential uh, that young man, but he left Australian shores a long, long, long time ago to pursue you know his amateur career through the junior ranks in uh, in the states through those you know young gun tournaments, whatever they call them over there. But well, well, it was a smart decision by his had a big investment from themselves. Yep. So he went to um, the Innisbrook School. So there's a so. It's, Similar to the one that's up in Queensland that Jason Day went to, yep. 
Um, so just purely, we'll call it almost like a sport slash golf school. That's where he went. And so family moved over there about seven or eight years ago. So he was like 12 and yeah. rolled him into that program over there. So he could just pursue golf, basically live and breathe it yeah. at the same time as sort of getting an education. Um, and then over in the US, so access to, you know, all the best people, um, the best and competing against the, you know, a lot of the best talent going around. So uh, big risk and big investment from the family and it's, you know, he's making the most of it. It's certainly paying off, that's for sure. Yeah. Mate, a couple of other names that it, uh, I'm not so familiar with, T44 at the moment, Jack Trent. Do you know much about Jack Trent? No. No. No, uh, young see my, man, see my man Devin Blings there. <laughs> Devin Blings there. Uh, I'm just trying to go. I'm going to go from the top to the bottom. Jack Garner, Jack, Jordan Garner. Sorry, Jack Garner. Jordan Garner's in there. Yeah. Another uh, Hillier, da, da, Daniel Hillier from New Zealand. T62. Just Stuart Hagerstad is an interesting one. You know, one of the few older. You know, he's. I think he's nearly nearly 40. Just keeps toiling away as a as an amateur, um, and then holding down a full time job. Um, Trying to see if there's any other players. There's a few other college ones that I've, I've known of, and I'm not seeing their names. So they might not have lifted for this event, or that Whitehurst uh, might have ejected them. Um, One who was ejected, uh, unfortunately, it looks like was uh, our fellow club member Dave Michalusi. He uh, he's sort of ranked it in uh, P105 at the moment, so. Uh, not oh, there's one that's tied for 60. Oh, they might have to play a heap of, for a heap of spots. There's a lot of tied at 62. Yeah. There's a young fella who made his way to the semifinals of the USM last year, and I think he played at, I can't remember if he was an Oklahoma State, or he might be a Texas guy, Cole Hammer. Best name ever, Cole Hammer. Um, who else is there? Kevin O'Connell, Mr. You know, Amateur re-status, re was a professional, got his amateur status back, won a mid-amateur and thought, oh, I might turn professional again. Yeah, that's not how it works, buddy. Um, what else is there? There's a couple others I'm looking for. I'm going to throw one at you, and I reckon he'll be in the last, uh, the final. He might not go all the way, but I reckon he'll be in the final, the final half a dozen uh, matches. Young Segru from Ireland, James Segru. Put that in your little black book. He's good. Are you just going by just because he's from Ireland, and you, you know, you, or are you going on? Oh no, I'm totally biased. But Intel in, in, like Bobby, Bobby Mack. Where no, you, no, Bobby, you, Bobby Mack was genuine. Followed Bobby Mack for a while. Uh, I've got <laughs> for some reason I've got this fascination with the town that he's from, Oban. I've never been there, but yeah. I want to go there. But no, he's been on my radar for a while. But so as has Sagru. Um, you know, I guess more recently, but I just I watched him at the um, Irish Open a little bit, and he's good. No, he's real good. And you know, I've I've picked him over the uh, the rest of the Americans to finish in the top six. There, obviously, there's probably going to be some Americans in there, but um, I've picked him over the the Scotsman that's in there. There's a Scotsman that's okay. that's up there, Sandy Scott. See so, if you deliver again. Well, we'll see. Got to stick yeah. up. Got to stick up for the Celtic brothers. <laughs> All right, mate. Um, any tidbits? Any tidbits? Any fun bits? Any fun facts? Uh, 
Um, not really. The, Phil brought out his fireside again, a bit more of a Tiger Woods one themed one. It's quite funny. Um, so everyone go check that one out. Do you think you'll do another? Do you think you'll do another one with Bryson? Well, I know he's a fan of Bryson because Bryson is the is that perfect kind of weird unit. But I reckon. <laughs> With everything that's going on at the moment, I think Phil is probably creating a little bit of distance between him and Self and Bryson because I think he's just gone. He's he's just overstepped the line. I the, reckon he's just gone that little bit too far. Where when he's, f- not, when f- he's when, not he's been a bit serious. I think I think he's been a bit too serious. When Phil is distancing himself from you, you know that you are a hundred percent on the nose. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, apart from that, I'm trying to think what else. Um, uh, there's no other events. You know, the US tour of season next year is going to start really quick. Um, and then it'll be us doing a bit of a review probably in a week or so. Yeah. You know, on the on the net club championship. You know, maybe we'd look back over the US amateur. You know, see if. You're right again. Um, you know, maybe Bryson can make it into the final 30 and I don't have a conniption or something like that, produce some more content. I'm sure he'll give us something to talk about. Mate, um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I just want to say again, thanks to Jamie Glazier for jumping in and giving us uh, five minutes of uh, a little bit more in-depth insight into, into his world and his work with our newest amateur champion, of the world, not of the world, but of the US amateur champion, but may as well be of the world. Gabby Ruffles, congrats to her, mate. Oh, I can't wait till we have an actual long chat with him. I, re- I reckon we should organise that for maybe on a. We'll call it the uh, as Jamie and I like to call it a Wellness Wednesday. Um, you know, have a bit bit of an extended chat because I'd definitely love to ask him lots of questions no, about he's- the mental side of the game. He is well up for that. He he, we discussed that today, and um, he's a he's a absolutely busy man. Um, he travels a lot. Um, he's got a number of clients um, overseas. Got a few in the US. Got a few yeah, in the got US. A few, few guys in the US. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. he's making some plans to go back to Europe um, to work with uh, Herbie for a little bit at the um, uh, the British. Um, is it the British PGA, the the one that's mid September, another British tournament at? Um, oh, I can't wait till that's on because it's at Wentworth. Wentworth, September yes. And, September and Wentworth. It just reminds me of the old Sun Tory World Match play. That's the one. So he, I think he's going there. He's got uh, maybe European Tour School. He's got some of his US guys over there. So no, he's he's yeah. he's a busy busy man. Um, he's golf. He's not golfing at the moment. He's got a little bit of an injury, but uh, anyway, he'll yeah. be ba- he'll be back soon. He'll be back soon. Rocket, mate. Thanks very much. Keep up the good work. Keep up the studies, bringing the good content to the good people that listen to the My Love of Golf podcast. If you are listening now, thank you once again for sticking with us all the way through. Send us some feedback. I'm still fever pitching to uh, Project Scotland. As I said just before, got a nice little game of golf teed up at North Berwick, which I have played before, um, but I wasn't – we weren't fledgling podcasters back then, so we were just playing golf as – is just normal people, so this time we'll be probably able to bring some some insights into this. So I can't wait to get back to North Berwick. Royal Aberdeen is locked and loaded. 
Craigie Law. Craigie Law is uh, locked and loaded rocket, and that's where they are playing the uh, Scottish Seniors Open this weekend. So it'll be very good to get to Craigie Law where they are playing the Scottish Seniors Open this weekend, and uh, I'll be doing some practice from there probably. Uh, got a great facility there, 18 holes, a uh, little nine-hole course, uh, tightless fitting, performance centre, and a beautiful practice range. So that's right in the heart of East Lothian. And um, what else? Oh, I've got a few other things teed up. So can't wait. It's only three weeks, Rocket, and then I am out of here. Good luck. Jealous? Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Cheers. So does it, so does it, and you know who deserves it, and, and she won't listen This is my lucky podcast. She deserves her, her holiday too, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, yeah. seeing all her family yeah. and mine. Rocket, until next uh, week, all the best, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you then.